Good morning, everybody, and welcome to Coffee and Football, brought to you by Rick Vavro and Austin Underground. We dig Austin. I want to thank them for sponsoring. I'm your host, Blake Monroe, where I'm joined each and every morning by Bobby Burton and Jerry Hamilton, both of On3 and Inside Texas. And guys, we are 48 hours away from Texas OU game day. I can't believe it's almost here. Sark has a press conference at 11 a.m. today, hoping to hear some important details. What all are you guys expecting or wanting to hear about as we gear up for that press conference here in about three hours? I think I think uh, <laughs> there's not much he can say that will change things right now. Perhaps an update on uh, JT Sanders. Uh, Kelvin Banks uh, was apparently walking in a boot yesterday as well. He tweaked his ankle, though, against Baylor. I think he's been doing that off and on since Baylor games. I think it's just precautionary. Uh Ryan Watts, it sounds like it's a hamstring for him uh, that's been tight. So we don't know if he's going to go. Uh, but other than the health of the team, I mean, what else can what else can Steve Sarkeesian say? What else can anybody say right now? Right. Yeah. I mean, it, we're like Blake, you said at the outset, we're 48 hours away from uh, two teams that are five and oh, you know, getting after it. So I'm, I'm ready. Now, yeah, I think I think that's it. It's just going to be the injury update. Um, look, I think what's interesting is. Uh, um, you know, I've asked these guys, I've asked, uh, Drew Kelson and Rod Babers about the bus ride going to Dallas. Well, they're flying to Dallas. <laughs> yeah. Sark doesn't like the, 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 the three hour bus rides if he can avoid them. So, uh, they're flying up to Dallas Friday. Uh, so I'm not going to tell anybody what airport so people don't show up, but, uh, <laughs> they're, they're not on a bus Friday to Dallas. They're on a plane. Yeah, they, they do that, I think, to avoid the Friday traffic getting on I-35 is just ridiculous. You'd have to leave yeah. at 8 a.m. Even to make with the police escort. <laughs> yeah, even I mean it's it's just ridiculous. Now they'll come home they'll come home via a bus. They right. won't they won't fly home. Uh but uh, yeah, they'll get up there, get going tomorrow, uh, get into Dallas, uh, get situated. Uh but uh, a lot of stuff going on in and around activities in and around Dallas this weekend, obviously. Uh, Jerry, you and I uh, are doing the uh, coffee and football tomorrow morning from the Dallas, Texas, Texas uh, annual golf event uh, over at Firewheel Park. Uh, it's a scramble. Uh, if you want to join, go to DallasTexasXs.org. Uh, they've got plenty of spots available still for people wanting to sign up. Uh, Quan Cosby, I think, will be out there as well. Uh, he's being sent by the university to lead everybody in Texas fight. Uh, then also... Tomorrow afternoon, Jerry, you and I are at Terry Black's Barbecue uh, yes. up in uh, downtown Dallas off of Main Street there from three to four. And then we're going to stay around and uh, hang out with Aaron and Rod and do their radio show a little bit uh, that afternoon as well. So uh, a lot of lot of stuff going on. Of course, the, the main attraction is a late 11 a.m. in the Cotton Bowl on Fox. Uh, uh, Longhorns right now remain about a six and a half uh, point favorite. Uh, the Texas team is. Uh, Pretty healthy overall, with the exception, perhaps, of both Watts and Sanders. Uh, OU comes in fully healthy as well. Um, I feel like this is the first time these two have met uh, have met in a truly meaningful game outside of its own parameters uh, or own fan bases. Uh, in literally, uh, it's got to be since 2008, 2009. When, uh, 2009, both teams were still national powers, I think. Uh, but uh, that is – this is a big game. Uh, I don't know if it's the biggest game in 15 years for the Longhorns, like some might put, but it's certainly up there 
because, you know, I think Alabama put Texas over the top a little bit as far as recognizing that what they can can be and who they are. Uh, Oklahoma is kind of the proving ground of that, right? Yeah. Were they a one-hit wonder, or is this team really legit, and do they have a chance to just rock and roll through the Big 12? Yeah, and I and I think it's um I think what what's I I hate it sounds crazy to say this I'm stuttering all over myself with this what I'm going to say here but it's almost good that Texas blew them out last year because they know Oklahoma's coming for revenge there is no doubt there's nothing Sark needs to say this week they're ranked three in the country they beat Alabama. Uh, you know, you're now being talked about as the most complete team in America. Whether that's true or not, Dan Mullen, people like that have said it within the last 24 hours. But this team knows Oklahoma's coming for revenge. I think that's a pretty decent spot for Sark to be in with this team instead of a 24-23 win last year. That you embarrassed these guys last year. They're coming for you. That's all that needs to be said. I mean, that's all that needs to be said headed into this game. And the rest takes care of itself. It's execution. Uh, one of the things I, I just look for, I, I'm looking for penalties early in this game. Who's handling the emotion? Who's handling everything that's coming with this game? Is there going to be some chippiness after last year's game on the Oklahoma side? Who's handling that well? Texas has been a much better team as far as the yellow flags go. Fifth, uh, number 15 in the country in penalties per game. Oklahoma's 100th, 98th, and 104th in penalty yards. Who handles all of this well uh, early? Who doesn't set yourself behind the chains, right, Bobby? Good morning from Baghdad. How about that? Thanks for serving our country. Uh, uh, somebody just posted that on the on the chat. I, I want to hit something, Bobby, real quick. I had a question about two 2025 offensive linemen in here, Jackson Christian. Um, and Byron Washington. I don't know what you're specifically referencing. I put in an RPM for Jackson Christian to Texas two weeks ago. Uh, we've at Inside Texas, we've been saying Byron Washington's one Texas feels pretty good about, but I don't know specifically what he was asking about. I, I, I know Christian's from Port Nature's Groves. Where's Washington from? Byron Washington's from DeSoto. He'll be at the game Saturday, and uh, you never you never know. I might end up on that practice field this afternoon if I get to Dallas in time. <laughs> Tiger Ridden's going to be in, in uh, the the running yeah. back that just went for all those yards in the state championship. Supposed to be there as well. Yeah, DeSoto, right? Yes, for DeSoto. Yeah, those two guys. They may have a twenty twenty six there in the uh, Cotton Bowl as well. All right. Byron Washington's six eight three sixty, so he's a very large human. <laughs> Goodness gracious! Hey, I want to say this, uh, Blake and, and Jerry. Another thing that I talked to, I, literally, this has been a whirlwind for me. This is always a big week for us because uh, a lot of people give us Texas OU memories. And yeah. I spoke with Mike Perrin on here yesterday, uh, among others. I, I, I literally talked to maybe 10 former players yesterday at various times through the day uh, talking about this. And there, there was one thing that came back, was a recurring theme, and we talked a little bit about it yesterday, Jerry and Blake. And that was the momentum in this game and how big that factor usually is. Um, what's interesting and what was said yesterday to me is a lot of people that have been going to this game for 20, 30 years or played in it, et cetera, they were all waiting for the momentum last year to change at some point. At some point, OU was going to fight back. At some point, OU was going to push. And that they, they've been going to this game. Some of these guys played in it, gone to it for years and years. 
it's the first time they remember the momentum never really shifting. So something to something to think about. That will happen to this Texas team. OU will fight back at some level this week. No doubt about it. All right, guys, before we move on to some questions, I got something that I want to talk about. Um, if you're a member of Inside Texas, you can go over to the Coffee and Football thread and get the link to this article. But uh, Athlon talked to some anonymous coaches here, and they had some stuff to say about Texas. Now, I'm going to read this first quote. I figure we could talk about it. Um, and he said, they said, this is a very impressive roster, said one SEC coach. They got linemen like Alabama used to have, both sides of the ball. They beat the you-know-what out of Alabama. They push everybody around. They did whatever they wanted with Baylor. They got speed outside, and their tight end is a freak. Uh, high praise. Yeah. I mean, yeah. I, I, we don't know if that's Kirby Smart, but it sounds like something he would have wanted to say. Uh, <laughs> I mean, I'm just, I'm just going to be real. Um, but, look, I, I, that's why Jatavion Sanders' health is so big for me Saturday. Uh, Rod Baber said he's the guy that unlocks everything for the Texas offense, and I, I agree because Brock Bowers does the same thing for Georgia, right, Bobby? When you have that one tied in, that guy that is that freak down the field that you, that can really make plays in space, there just aren't many of those tight ends in college football, period. Um, and that's why his health Saturday is so big. I mean, obviously he was walking around last night, but – I think the thing for me is, um, um, you know, look, it's you don't know. It's going to be interesting. You know Sark's game planning with JT and without JT this week. You know he is. He's too he's too dialed in of an offensive coach not to do that. Um, I think it's going to be very interesting how, you know, you don't know. Oh, well, JT Sand, we know he's going to try to go because it's his last Red River showdown. All of his former teammates, five, four former teammates are on that field with him. It's a huge game. He's going to try to go. Potential playoff implications down the road if both these teams keep winning. But what you never know about athletes is that first time they cut when the adrenaline, they're feeling that adrenaline and they push through that ground or the first time they get tackled, what happens? Cedric Baxter had a good week of practice. Then that first time he got tackled, that calf, you, got, you saw him get up and he started limping a little bit. You just never know with injuries. It's one thing through practice through a week when there's not the adrenaline, when you're not truly pushing through the ground like you do in a game situation or you don't get tackled. So it, it, he is a freak. He does unlock the offense. And um, I, I think it'll be interesting, you know, Sark's game plan with him. And if something happens in the game and he's not effective, Sark's game playing without him, Bobby. Yeah, I, I would say this to, to that comment of the SEC coach, Jerry and, and Blake and, and everybody out there. They just saw what we saw. I mean, they, they there wasn't some magic quote or magic thing that they saw. Um, yeah. They saw it, and we talked about it all season long, all offseason. This is a talented Texas team. Um, I put it – I we were very high on Texas early – but winning is different than 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 just putting a talented team out there. Uh, what's happened in the last couple of weeks to me, Jerry, and really uh, after Wyoming, I think they all focused on Alabama so much, and then were a little bit surprised by how by that, and then went out and slept walk against Wyoming. Okay, so they beat Alabama, really excited, slept walk against Wyoming, and then I think the last two weeks. I, we talked about yeah. the need for them to turn from being a good team to a dominant team. 
Tell me we haven't seen shades of Texas being a dominant team the last two weeks. We that's, that's when your program is going from a B plus, eight, eight, nine, ten wins maybe, to maybe that A minus A level program because you're starting to be dominant when you're supposed to be dominant. I, I think the great thing for Texas fans is you saw it defensively at Baylor, although their offensive line is bad. Baylor still came back and beat UCF, right? They have Tech at home um, this weekend. But, you know, look, I, Texas still went out and dominated them defensively. Then last weekend, Texas dominated Kansas offensively. So you've got both sides of the ball in each of the last two weeks. I mean, I, I posted the stats. We have our inside Texas, the uh, Texas-Oklahoma uh, weekend live thread up and rolling, man. Um, that one will be fun all for the next couple of days. But I, I posted, I can't remember the exact numbers, but 661 yards of offense, I think is the that's the most Texas ever had in a Big 12 game. Okay, that covers a lot of years now. To your point, Bobby. No, I think it's unbelievable. I think I think they're they're hitting on all cylinders. On, I still think they've got way. They got the the interesting part to me is I think that they still have a way they can improve on offense. Yeah, their execution level, defense. They're already playing at a super high level, in my opinion. Um, I don't know that there's that much more they can do on defense. On offense, I still think they have a ceiling to reach that could be higher. Yeah, I think defensively, the only the only two things you can really look at right now are Anthony Hill's continued maturation at linebacker throughout the season, and then the safety position. The safety position can play a little better, um, down the field in pass coverage. I'm not I'm not sure it's physically they have the ability to, but I think mentally they can still. I mean, Keaton Crawford mentally can get better at safety this season. Um, so those are the two areas on defense I really look at. Obviously, special teams is an art. There, there's an argument that we made they can improve there. All right, guys, <clears throat> excuse me. Before we move on, I'm going to tell everybody about Caldera Lab. And with me being outside all the time, I know that I need to take care of my skin as much as possible. Caldera Lab's products help me do just that in an easy, time-saving manner. I use the regimen twice a day, just as directed, and I'm already noticing results just after a couple of weeks. I'm telling you guys, it's the real deal. Caldera Lab creates high-performance men's skincare products, and the regimen leads off their product lineup. It's a twice-a-day routine to transform your skin. It includes three products, which is the Clean Slate, the Base Layer, and the Good. The Clean Slate starts and ends your day. This face wash will leave all skin types refreshed. The Base Layer is your daily moisturizer to hydrate your skin and jumpstart your day full confidence. And the good is your go-to multifunctional serum at night that helps your skin look tighter and smoother, as well as help reduce the visibility of wrinkles and fine lines. Every drop of that serum is packed with 3.4 million antioxidant units protecting your skin. One minute in the morning, one minute at night, that's all it takes to reduce your wrinkles, fine lines, and signs of aging. And right now, you can get 20% off with code ONTEXAS at calderalab.com. That's right, 20% off. CalderaLab.com with code on Texas. Go check it out. Let it work for you like it's working for me. Want to thank them for sponsoring today's show or being a sponsor of today's show. And gentlemen, we got lots of questions rolling in. So I'm just going to go ahead and jump right into them if that's all right. And the first one here is from Abel Martinez. It's a super chat. Thank you, Abel. He says, does Levy throw the triple off at the Texas defense? I don't think I don't think they want to run. Dylan Gabriel in this game, guys. Uh, I don't think they want to put him out there. 
He's he's a good runner and he's an effective runner. He's not a heavy runner though. He's five foot ten. You know, he's not. Now I don't. I'm not saying he's fragile or anything like that. But he's been banged around before. I, I would highly doubt that happens, guys. Yeah, that doesn't seem like the plan uh, for me either. Uh, I, now, could they do it with somebody else? You uh, never know. No. Jackson Arnold. I mean, they they went to the Wildcat last year out of sheer frustration with their backup quarterback. Do do you throw a wrinkle? I I don't know, but I wouldn't do it with Dylan Gabriel. That's my point. My whole point is I would not, I would not put Gabriel in that situation. Me either. Me either. Um, By the way, we had a question about uh, Texas OU visitors list. Justin Wells and I, uh, Justin published it last night. We had the updated visitors list as of Wednesday evening. That is up on inside Texas right now. Pretty good group of uh, 2025s uh, building up. Hey, uh, I want to say this real quick, too. We got Josh McQuistian uh, coming in at 8.30, 8.35. Uh, he is one of the lead writers and founders of Soonerscoop.com. It's a publication that's about 30 years old now, and Josh is a longtime friend of mine. Yes, uh, he is. Uh, he's one of the good guys in this industry. We There are there are certain people we don't like, maybe, right, Jerry, that are, are not necessarily friendly with or don't whatever, but Josh actually is a guy that uh, – We've been to high school games with before and uh, respect what he does. So uh, Josh is going to come on and uh, take a little friendly fire here from uh, you and I, I hope, around 830, 835. uh, And and hear what he's thinking going into this game and try to get uh, their their take on this game. I think fans would like that and and, uh, try to hear from the other side. Uh, Josh McQuiston uh, coming on around 830, 835 today. Looking forward to that for sure. All right, guys. Warden with another super chat. He says, oh, you can fight Bobby, but they'll just lose tired. <laughs> I hope so. <laughs> I've got no problem with OU losing. I just want to be – I want to be out there on that. Uh, I, You know, I said something yesterday that a couple people asked me about, Jerry and, and Blake and uh, everyone out there. And It's like I don't really care if Texas wins 50 to 20 or if Texas wins 28 28- – 10 or has a dominating offense or a defensive. I mean, this game for me, it's about one thing. It's winning. It could be 13 to 12 and I'm good. As long as Texas has the 13. That That is the, in a rivalry game, all that other crap, it's meaningless. You know, and so I say that and I'm not trying to say, well, they, the offense needs to look good. They can't revert and all this other stuff. Texas OU is about one thing. It's about winning the game any means necessary. Blocked punt, you know, fumble inside the tent, whatever. But goal line stand by Stoney Clark, I don't care. Texas just needs to win this game. Well, and here's the thing. Here's why this is not – I agree with Bobby. and This is not a style points game. At all. If Texas beats OU, they'll have beaten three ranked opponents this year. That's plenty. <laughs> People, if they if Texas wins this game 31-28, 41-28, people are still going to be saying, this may be the best team in the country. If Texas wins, it's still going to be the same talking point regardless of the score. They can and, – and look, I, I Jerry, you used the chart right term. It's not a style points win for me. No. I mean, this is, this is, this is one of those you just get in the dogfight and you come out the winner. That that's that's the important part of it, and um, you know uh, that's what that's what Texas needs to take to the bank. I mean, that's what they need to go out into the Cotton Bowl with. 
And uh, that idea and that mindset of trying to beat beat OU, period. Uh, yeah, big, good, good term there, survive in advance. Um, I, I want to say this. The other thing that, that uh, Jerry mentioned about the Cotton Bowl, uh, that, and you, you just reminded me about with that survive in advance uh, idea. The other thing about the Cotton Bowl that is unique from every other game is that, and, and Tuck said this on Monday, Diamante Tucker Dorsey, when he was on with us, Jerry, how neither side really stops, right? Like somebody is always screaming. Usually in a football game, there is some quiet downtime, right? In this game, there's no quiet downtime. Maybe during timeouts, if momentum just hasn't changed. But otherwise, it there is there's someone yelling inside the Cotton Bowl all the time. Oh, yeah. the the constant noise is a legitimate factor. Momentum is a legitimate factor. Uh, that's one of the reasons that makes this rivalry a rivalry, you know. I thought, well, Jerry, you talked about Texas being the best team in the country if they can beat those three ranked opponents. So Terrell Hennigan says, Bobby, Jerry, do we get to number one when we beat OU? Uh, I maybe pick up more first place votes. Um, go to number one. I, I don't know. That depends on how Georgia plays and how Michigan looks. Yeah, I mean, Georgia's got Kentucky at home. That if they go and, out and play like a national champion, I mean, they're gonna. Hey, let's be clear. Okay, Kentucky beat the ever living you know what out of uh, Florida. Florida last weekend. Okay, you know they go to Athens. Kentucky is undefeated, by the way. Right. People don't know that, but because um, Kentucky is not a team most people keep up with. They're undefeated, 5-0. and oh. Mark Stoops has done a great job up there. Amazing. He, he's done – he went from Will Levis to now he has Devin Leary, the yeah. former NC State. They've got they've got a quarterback. They've got a defense. They've got a run game, okay? They go to Georgia this weekend, 5-0. and oh. Georgia is favored by 15 points. <laughs> that is freaky. You're 5-0, and oh, just beat Florida like a drum, and you're a 15-point dog. Kind of like that's kind of like going into Texas, right? That's how highly people think of Georgia right now. Yep. Um, so barring a Georgia loss, uh, or barring a Georgia loss, I don't see Texas leapfrogging uh, this this week at all. Right. But we'll see. Hey, look, it, like we've we've said, great week, uh, great week for um, uh, coaching points for uh, Steve Sarkeesian in the past. Great week for Kirby Smart to coach. Because they gave up rush yards at Auburn, and now Kentucky's rolling in after just running up and down the field on Florida. All right, y'all. A super chat here from Menu2Sports. He says, Teddy Lehman with OU Breakdown said he believes Ewers is an average quarterback, that he does not have an elite arm. What are y'all's thoughts? They said some crazy stuff about Banks as well, shaking my head. <laughs> I think he's been knocked around a little bit too much. You know, and I think he's he's uh he's got a little sooner in him. You know, I, that that would be my take on it. Uh uh Teddy uh is if he doesn't think uh yours yours may be an average quarterback right now, to be honest. But to say he doesn't have elite arm talent, he, he hasn't watched a workout. He hasn't been behind the scenes enough because Ewers can feather the ball. He can he can break it down. He has good accuracy. 
he he is just becoming what he can be. So Teddy Lehman is is basically a borderline idiot about this. <laughs> so I, I'm going to go ahead and say that. I don't have a problem with that. I mean, he has very little idea. Um, as far as if he has said anything about Kelvin Banks, Kelvin Banks isn't perfect. He's a sophomore in college. Yeah. If Teddy Lehman's trying to grade him against, I don't know, Orlando Pace, where, you know, Teddy Lehman played a little bit in the NFL, uh, then that, that's okay. Um, he, he's not as good as Orlando Pace today. Nobody's saying that, but okay. What does he think? Did tell me what he thinks the OU defensive line if Kelvin Banks is just okay. I, mean, that's, I was gonna say, Bob. Banks is a projection. What does he think about the OU run game if if uh you know Quinn Ewers is just average? Does he call that you know mediocre? I mean, w- tell me about that, Teddy. Let's let's uh let's uh run full circle. <laughs> Oh, we got another super chat, guys. Uh, this one from Fresh sixty four seventy three. He says, "Jerry, OU has speed in their secondary with Billy Bowman and Peyton Bowen. Can Quinn Ewers hit the deep pass on them?" Well, the thing is, deep balls in the double coverage is never where you want to be. Uh, if you look at the Alabama game, uh, the deep ball, the, the Xavier Worthy, the deep ball um, to Ad Mitchell, those were favorable matchups with no safeties over the top. Uh, so that that's the thing with the deep ball, Sark scheming uh, to get these guys in the matchups he desires where there is no safety help over the top. That's the key on the deep ball. Um, so that we'll, we'll, we'll be watching for that this week uh, to see what Oklahoma does with their secondary. Um, are they willing to take some risks there? And I think it's all going to come down, guys, if, if Oklahoma struggles stopping a run. If they struggle stopping uh the run, then, um, you know, they're going to have to take some chances in their secondary. It Gentry Williams is a name that uh, Rod Babers brings up, Jerry, uh, the, the new corner. You know what I'm talking about for them? I saw uh, him he, in high school. Long arms can really run now. Yep. Reggie Pearson uh, is another one. Uh, the, the safety transfer from uh, Texas Tech. Uh, he's actually the guy that knocked Dylan Gabriel out of the Texas Tech game last year. He transferred to Tech or transferred to OU. They've got guys in the secondary. They have piecemealed it together uh, to be better. But their most talented guys in the secondary right now are the youngest guys. Not not necessarily unlike what Texas uh, has at this point. Uh, so, uh, all right. Uh, before we get to Josh McQuiston, I want to, uh, of Sooner Scoop, uh, Jerry, are you about ready to, to do your read today for uh, our advertiser, Manscaped? Oh, no doubt about it, man. We're brought to you today by Manscaped, uh, who is taking the next step up from Balloween to bring you your face, the cleanest shave it's ever seen. Uh, And I agree, by the way. Uh, So this season, no need to toil and trouble. Manscaped's all-new handyman is the best way to get rid of that stubble, featuring a compact design and a next-gen skin-safe technology. The handyman was designed to give you that smooth finish without the mess of a traditional shave. Get the sweetest treat this Halloween by going to manscaped.com and use code ONTEXAS for 20% off plus free shipping. Again, I've said this every day. My son, my son, I he uses Manscaped. I use Manscaped. Uh, great products they have. I travel a lot. Um, for the wet or dry use, feel free to bring this anywhere and everywhere. The compact design and airplane friendliness makes this the perfect travel tool for on the go and being able to shave up the three days growth without the mess of a wet shave is priceless. Uh, Manscaped 
Texas.com. Use code on Texas for 20% off plus free shipping. Uh, one of the very best products out there. Uh, I use it. My son uses it. And I uh, suggest all you guys use it. All right, guys. I, I, I had to laugh at some of the comments that were going on during your read, Jerry. No, I, I got corn dogs in there. I get it. I, it's fun. It's all fun. Well, Bobby, while I bring in the guest, I'm going to let you do the introduction here. Yeah, absolutely. His name's Josh McQuiston. He's one of the founders of Sooner Scoop, a longtime guy. I've known Josh since Moby Dick was a minnow. Um, uh, what, what we go back to the nineties, don't we, Josh? Uh, when you were it, you were a student at OU at the time, I believe. The first time I met you, Bobby, was at the Army All American game when it was still the Army All American game, and I believe that was the year of Vince, and they were still they weren't even playing at the Alamo Dome yet. Like it was over at the, uh, what Veteran Stadium or whatever that's called. Yeah, that, that the Rock Stadium that they have there. Yeah, it's really a pretty stadium, but it was. Obviously not the venue of the Alamo Dope. All right, guys, Josh is a, a OU grad, an OU a writer, and uh, he's actually a good guy. Jerry and I have known him forever. Uh, at the yeah. same time, we are diametrically opposed about which two teams we follow and cover. Uh, Josh, we want your view of this game uh, between Texas and OU. That's, that's why we brought you in here. Uh, tell us what the folks at OU are thinking right now. Well, you know, I don't think, uh, honestly, I think if you look at it from both sides, it's pretty similar. Like you're thinking about winning this game in the trenches, guys. I mean, I know it's cliche, but you look at it year over year. OU Texas, Texas OU. I know what pod I'm on, so I got to be careful. <laughs> but, uh, you know, what, whatever way you want to look at it, whoever wins the game up front wins this game almost invariably. I mean, mar barring massive injury or massive turnover problems like you win up front you win like that, that's just the way this game goes for all the the chaos and craziness we've seen through the years and I think when you look at that you have to give an edge to Texas and I think that's where you see the problems that Oklahoma is going to have to find a way to circumvent a little bit because I think Texas um has has an edge there I don't think it's as distinct as some do but I definitely think you you have to give the nod to both experience and, you know, some more frontline talent for Texas. Uh, you asked this, uh, OU's offense has not given up many sacks. Of course, part of that is the function of the OU offense. Dylan Gabriel tends to get the ball out quick. Um, what, what are your thoughts about the OU offensive line and the OU offensive line in our o, OU offense in general, which has just, I mean, they're putting up staggering numbers right now, Josh. What's interesting here is these two groups don't really don't really attack each other's weak. I, I guess they do attack each other's weakness, depending on how you want to look at it. Like Oklahoma feels very good at the tackles with Walter Rouse, the Stanford transfer at the left side, and Tyler Guyton on the right side, who I think is is still finding his way a little bit after really being a guy that didn't play much high school football. He's kind of had to learn his way here for Oklahoma, but is absurdly talented. Yes. Um, one of those guys you look at and you're like, he's 330 pounds. Like that, that's not normal to move like he moves. But at the same time, Oklahoma's interior has been a problem. And you look at the monsters that Texas rolls out on the inside, you're like, that's a problem. So I, I think it's a matter of who can kind of play their strength the best. Because as good as I, I think Baron Sorrell and uh, and Ethan Burke are outside, 
they're solid, steady players. They're not going to take over the game. Saving Ethan Burke against Alabama, which was just kind of an uh, amazing uh, moment for him there. But I think they're good, steady defensive ends. I don't think they are game changers. Inside, Texas has guys who can take over the game. So I think that is where you have to see. Can Oklahoma get to the edges? Can they use Tyler Guyton? Can they use Walter Rouse to win some battles out there? and kind of keep that run game at least functional. I don't think it's going to be a dominant source of Oklahoma's offense, but they have to make Texas respect that and keep those safeties from just bailing out to keep Dylan Gabriel's vertical passing game from getting going. Hey, Josh, on the defensive side of the ball for Oklahoma, what improvements have you seen? What areas, specifically secondary? Seems like Gentry Williams being a year older playing pretty high-level football for the Sooners. Who else do you like on that defense, and where have they improved? Well, you're dead on. And I know, you know, watching watching some of Texas this week and working on some of the articles we've got going, uh, much as Texas fans have watched Terrence Brooks grow up, I think you're watching Gentry Williams grow up. Like, this is a guy very physical. And it's so interesting because he was a track guy. A lot of people, right. his reputation coming out was, always oh, a track guy. I don't know how physical he'll be. You watch him against Iowa State, who we all know, whatever you want to say about Iowa State, they are fundamentally sound. They're going to play things the right way. He's blowing up bubble screens. He had a big tackle for loss against Jalen Noel. Like He's been very physical. I really like what he's doing. Outside of him, obviously, Danny Stutzman's playing in a really solid way. I think uh, you know there, there's been some, you know, okay, is he at an All-American level? And I think at times he has been. Now, this is going to be a different test. He's playing different sorts of talent. On that te- in that Texas running game uh, with Jonathan Brooks, with the offensive lineman he's going to deal with. Obviously, Jatavion Sanders is a monster that very few people see through the course of a year. So I, I think that'll be interesting to see. The, um, the guy that a lot of people think is starting to come on and having an interesting role is a guy, Jerry, I know you and I both loved out of high school was P.J. Adebaroway, the, the big defensive yeah. end. Oh, yeah. He's, pl- he's picked up more and more snaps as the season's gone on. Um, now, Going if he if he's lined up against Kelvin Banks, boy, that's a that's a lot to ask. I mean, even you know we we saw Kelvin do so well last year against Will Anderson. I'm sure OU fans are hoping the reverse can be true, but we'll we'll have to see how that plays out. But um, I think he is a a big time guy for Oklahoma. Uh, I, I will say probably on the back end, Billy Bowman is a guy that we all remember as a recruit. Kind of started the season slow, didn't have some of those big plays, but obviously had a big pick six against Iowa State. Had a really bad moment in the game, but if you go back and look at that game on the whole, he had one really bad moment and then may have played the best game of his career at Oklahoma. So I think there is there are several guys that are starting to play at that level, and as a whole, they're tackling guys. You, you guys saw this last year with Texas where all of a sudden, hey, if you'll tackle, it's amazing how much easier defense can be, and that's what you're seeing a lot of from Oklahoma. You mentioned Stutzman. He's kind of like the straw that stirs the drink for the OU defense. That's kind of how I mean he makes turnovers. He's he's kind of that, I don't know how to say it. He's like the he's the fly that gets into everybody's ointment, yeah. right? I mean, that he's like all around the place. He's in cover. He does he and Jalen Ford, for example, are the two best linebackers in the Big 12, in my opinion, in mm-hmm. coverage. They find ways, they read the quarterback, they get deep when they're supposed to. Uh, they're very similar in that way. My question is, Texas has been focused and, and been like, I, I don't know if, how much you watched the Kansas game. They ran inside, Texas ran inside zone down the field on Kansas. Yeah. What does OU look like up the middle? You mentioned edge guys. Stutzman's kind of in the middle, but he likes to 
move around. He's not necessarily a true run stopper, right? Mm-hmm. What about the guys in the middle for OU? Danny, Danny, I mean, he's a good run defender, but I agree with you. Like he's best in space. Like he, and he's, um, he's become that guy, you know, I, I don't know if you guys are Ted Lasso people, but kind of like the Ted Lasso had to reach, um, the, the old, the, the, uh, oh, what's his name? I can't even think of the character, but the, the old veteran guy that had played forever, that Danny was the guy you could tell Brent Venables had to get to. Like he knew that if that defense was going to get somewhere, he had to get Danny to buy into not so much like, you know, being a football, I mean, Danny's a football guy down to his bones. His dad played, you know, at college, like he, he really is. But the film study, all the little things Danny had to do to become a better player. So when you look like SMU tried to run a, uh, oh, uh, they, they dropped the ball, the fumble ruski, basically, and they, they leave the ball. Danny's the only one that reads it. And he sees the guy scoot out he, and he makes a tackle out in space. Cincinnati tried to run a trick play. Danny's recognition has just been outstanding this year he's really seen it well but what you're asking about on the inside um it's a solid group like you've got a lot of it's kind of feels like guys like those old Kansas State teams where they would just be fourth fifth year guys that weren't great like they weren't going to the NFL they weren't going to be superstars but they were old and they were strong like and that's what Oklahoma's got Jordan Kelly uh you know Isaiah Coe DeJon Terry, the transfer from Tennessee's had a really nice start to the year. Uh, I, I would say if they're – and they're all steady run defenders. I, I don't think Texas is just going to gash Oklahoma in that way because they do feel comfortable cycling a lot of bodies. But do I think that they're going to be dominant and Texas can't find some success? No, I, I don't think that's true either. I think that's, that's going to be one of the key battles because Oklahoma's got to keep Texas – in within reach inside they they can't let Jonathan Brooks get loose like he did against Kansas that that that's not a game OU can win um OU's gonna have to I, I don't know if a stalemate's the right way but just keep Texas from really gashing them and force Quinn Ewers to have to make some third and seven throws and and, and really make it a little bit more Quinn Ewers's game to win that that to me is the best way for Oklahoma to win defensively so they're going to try they're going to try in your opinion to make Quinn Ewers beat them that's that's the recipe for for them seeking the truth never gets old introducing June's journey the free-to-play mobile game that will immerse you in a thrilling murder mystery join June Parker as she uncovers hidden objects and clues to solve her sister's death in a beautifully illustrated world set in the roaring 20s with new chapters added every week, the excitement never ends. Download June's Journey now on your Android or iOS device or play on PC through Facebook games. And guys, I mean, I think we know, like anybody that's followed Brent Venables in his career, he's going to heat up Quinn Ewers. Like we, we know that that is absolutely going to be part of the game plan. He is going to bring lots of exotics. He's going to throw a lot of looks at him. And, you know, it's a two-sided coin for Oklahoma because, yeah, they haven't really been tested. We we know it. Like, they haven't played anybody anywhere near Texas's caliber. We we all understand that. At the same time, because of that, Oklahoma really hasn't had to come out of their shell on either side of the ball. So there are things that just haven't, you know, like, it, I mean, it's just they haven't been forced to show these things. They don't have to. And, and you wonder, because there's been some lingering questions with Oklahoma, like the running back rotation, the the use of wide receivers. Like, 
is there a reason for that? Is there a cause for that? And you wonder a little bit about it this week, if they're going to do some interesting things and you know, Brent Venables, you know, Bobby, you can go back years, like to Dan Cody blitz, you know, they put in a new unique package for him in the mid two thousands, just for this game. I think you're going to see something like that. I don't know what it is, but I know Oklahoma is literally just going to throw the kitchen sink at Quinn Ewers and see what he comes out with. Let me ask you this, uh, uh, if you don't mind, uh, Josh. Uh, the, the, the idea that that Texas and OU going in five and O, you and I know that that's a special situation for both teams. hasn't happened since two thousand eight. Um, your thoughts on on what this game means to OU right now, uh, given that last year was just a really bad year for for OU uh, historically, and then you know the. OU fan base kind of getting kicked in the you know what's by Lincoln Riley's departure. You know, sure. what you know, what is what does this mean for OU from that standpoint? Yeah, I, I mean, I compared last year to like a wave. Like when, when Lincoln left and Brent came in and there was that whole scene at the airport, like it was just, you know, all the good feelings. And I said it was like a wave of good feelings that just rolled Oklahoma to the season. Like that, it didn't matter what was said, what was done, what the roster looked like. Everybody wanted to believe, so they believed. And then Texas, you know, really, T- Kansas State. You're like, okay, you know, but OU's lost Kansas State before. That 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 can happen. Then TCU happens. Gabriel goes down. Okay, this is a problem. And then you get humiliated by your biggest rival on national television. Like there, there's no coming back from that. Like there's no, there was no way last season was ever going to be what people wanted it to be because of that. Now this game, you you get to vindicate everything. I mean, I would say, honestly, even if Oklahoma, let's say they lose 35, 31, I think in a lot of ways people say, okay, Brent Venables has got that on the right track. Like, you know, year two, all they had to turn over, new quarterback, you know, obviously you got Jackson Arnold waiting in the wings. Like there's there's a lot of reason to think, okay, this is and that that says a lot for Texas, like that they are now a litmus test for Oklahoma because we know for a decade that wasn't the case. That wasn't the measuring stick. And so I I think um for Oklahoma, this is it, it's just huge. Now if they can come out with a win, then all of a sudden all the things that OU fans are used to competing for, they're all in play. I mean, you know, playoff spot, Big 12 championship, all the things that Oklahoma fans feel they – I mean, let's be honest, guys, and you cover Texas. You know they feel the same way. They feel they deserve to be a part of that conversation. They're there. So, uh, th- I mean, this game, honestly, it couldn't be bigger for either team, in my opinion, because this is um, this is Texas's chance to really establish their dominance and Oklahoma's chance to kind of get back on their feet. Hey, question for you. Uh Notice the scores of SMU and Cincinnati. Mm-hmm. The OU offense didn't go crazy. What was it about those two opponents that really kind of kept uh, OU and Dylan Gabriel in check, relative check? I thought SMU's front did a pretty good job. I, I, I really did. I think they've got some decent personnel. A lot of guys they brought over from like Miami with Lashley and those kind of guys. Now, again, OU needed to do more than they did. There, there's no question about it. And, you know, you look at it, common thread. That's the same deal with Cincinnati. The Dante Corleone, Juwan Briggs, they've got a really nice pair that um, that gave Oklahoma some trouble. But, uh, you know, like you look at that Cincinnati game, Dylan Gabriel fumbles inside the 10. 
Um, they had a couple of drops. Like, I mean, they had some moments where that game could have very easily been 35 to six. Like that, that felt like kind of like Kansas for Texas last week, where 40 to 14, I mean, like it, all right, and especially at halftime, Texas had dominated that game thoroughly. But it wasn't the spread. It, it it felt like like for somebody watching it, it felt like it should have been more. Cincinnati and Oklahoma was kind of that way. SMU SMU played Oklahoma tough. I, I and I you know Jeff Levy after the game talked about getting a little conservative, uh, you know, and that was kind of the the perfect storm of OU fans. That was the same night as the Bryles thing, so there was a lot that kind of um, there was a lot of mumbling and frustration after that game, but. Um, there's no question. I think SMU gave Oklahoma some problems up front. And um, I thought against Iowa State, you saw some of that cleaned up a little bit. But again, I to me, this offensive line, if it if Oklahoma's going to win this game, they're going to have to play a better game than we've seen them play so far. Josh, do you mind if we have uh, ask you a couple questions from our fans, uh, if you don't mind? Not at all. Blake, go all, right. It, buddy. all right, Josh. This first one is kind of based off your comments a minute ago from Ski Breck. He says, how do you see the rest of the OU schedule lining up in regards to making the Big 12 championship for a rematch? I, I will say, and we, we talked about this on our podcast yesterday, and I, you look around the conference, I, I think this is match one. Like, I, I just, I don't see that team. Now, Kansas State is so solid. You can never write them off. Like, we all know. There, Chris Kleiman, I I think is maybe the most underrated coach in the country. He is outstanding, and um, so do, if you told me Kansas State's there, I'm not shocked. But I don't see anyone else that I think. I mean, West Virginia mathematically is one of the favorites. I don't buy West Virginia's gonna gonna be a real contender here. But there's a chance they roll into Norman eight and one, and that could be you know say Oklahoma loses this game, that could be almost an elimination match. Uh, in in about a month's time. So, uh, again, I, I think the schedule, again, that was part of why I thought this was a 9 or 10 win team in the preseason. They, on the field, have exceeded my expectations a little bit, Oklahoma, but the schedule was what this was always about. The schedule was just, you know, OU fans want to think the Big 12 wanted to kick them on their way out. Boy, I don't see that on the schedule. They, they got a pretty cushy fall. Yeah, uh, we're speaking with Josh McQuistian of the Soonerscoop.com. Blake, go for it. Next question. All right, this next question is a super chat from Chris Harrington. I want to thank Chris for that. And he says, question for Josh, which team has better coaching in your opinion? <laughs> oh, that's a loaded question for Josh. Loaded, sure yeah. question. Boy, you tell me how I win this one. Uh, but no, <laughs> Good you know, luck. I, I think I would probably lean to Texas just a little bit. I think you have to, largely because – of what Sark has done. Like I guys, I mean, you know better than me, but I've got a pretty good idea of what Sark inherited and to get it to where he's gotten it. And guys, you, you talk to XOU players that would talk about Texas just being soft for 15 years now, like even really good Texas teams that you would have that ah, they're soft. Like we, we can hit them in the mouth and we can win like that. That was what players would talk about. Now you don't hear that. Like you, it, it is, they have brought in a new style of uh, of Texas that is much more physical, much more willing to get in with Oklahoma and have that fight. Now, Brent Venables, I mean, you talk about a guy that wants that fight, that's Brent Venables. Like that that we we know that's what he believes in. If he could suit up tomorrow, he'd do it. Um so I think that is um that's one of those things that you know that really has changed the perspective. And again, if you're 
when you talk about coaching, you're going to talk about head coaches. Sark has more experience. He's had more successful years. I mean, Brent Venables just earlier this year got back over 500. I mean, I, I can't pretend that's not reality. Now, I will say from a offensive mind and defensive mind, I don't think it gets much more fun than watching Brent Venables and Steve Sarkeesian mock it up on a, on a whiteboard. Like those two are going to throw some wild stuff at each other. And it's going to be a lot of fun to see what plays out on Saturday. Yeah. Josh, I, we, dude, we appreciate you. You took more than enough time with us. Uh, I think Texas fans got a good taste of OU uh, and what you, what uh, you guys are thinking is going to happen here uh, in this game. So, uh, Josh, we really appreciate you, bud. Uh, and thanks for coming in on. Hopefully I get to see you on Saturday or Friday, or if you're going to make it down there, stop by. We're going to be at Terry Black's Barbecue, downtown Dallas at three okay. o'clock. Uh, if you get a chance, buddy, you'd be good. Absolutely. Man. Always. Right, it, Bobby. Take care. Good seeing you, man. All right. Uh, that was Josh McQuiston of, uh, uh, Soonerscoop.com. Uh, Josh, a good friend, a good friend of ours. Uh, here looks like we lost Jerry in the process. There, he didn't want to hear anything about OU. <laughs> Actually, I think his computer went out on him. He said, uh, "So uh, we're going to try to finish this up." Uh, Coffee and football brought to you guys by uh, the folks at uh, uh, Austin Underground. Rick Vavro and his team—they uh, dig Austin. Uh, they are a commercial uh, land, uh, commercial uh, construction company. Uh, Rick and his team been doing it for twenty plus years in Austin. Good guys. Uh, that we really appreciate. And look at this, just in time to finish up uh, without our our, uh, our uh, man in the, the uh, uh, without hearing Josh talk about the OU, Jerry Hamilton. I, I never, I didn't get around to it. Sorry, we're having a little weather in Houston. I could get knocked off again at any point, um, or especially where I'm at. But uh, I didn't get a chance to talk to Josh. The first time Josh and I ever took in a high school football game together was Jeremy Calhoun, Bobby. Oh, at Van, Texas. Van at Rusk, yeah. Uh, this A few weeks ago, Josh and I were went to watch Fort Ben Marshall um, and Isaiah Williams. I want to talk to him about Isaiah Williams because, you know, when we've been doing this a long time, we see one of those guys and you're like, that's what the guys at Georgia and Alabama have looked like for the last decade plus. That's Isaiah Williams 2026 um, uh, from Fort Ben Marshall. But, yeah, back. The timing, what, what, what? <laughs> Like he just I left, left and came back on. In Mayo, I'm back. <laughs> <laughs> All right, go for it, Blake. All right, guys, I'm going to tell everybody about Prize Picks. And uh, Prize Picks is a skill based real money daily fantasy sports game. You simply pick between two to six players, and if they'll go more or less than their Prize Picks projection, it's just you versus the projections available instead of battling thousands of other players out there. It's really simple to play, it takes almost no time. I can make my pick, submit my entry in about less than 60 seconds. And my favorite thing is it adds a ton of excitement to the sports viewing experience. You can watch your progress update in real time. You went up to 25 times your entry amount, and you can cash out your winnings with quick withdrawals. It makes it super easy. Last week, I took Bijan Robinson to rush for more than 62 yards. Justin Fields to go less than 59. Aced that one, so we're going to do it again this week. In honor of Texas OU weekend, it's all horns up on my picks. I'll be taking Bijan to go for more than 79 yards against Houston and Roshan Johnson to rush for more than 20 against Washington. So to join me, you go to prizepicks.com slash on Texas, use promo code on Texas. They're going to give you guys a first deposit match of up to $100. Again, that's prizepicks.com slash on Texas, promo code on Texas. They'll give you a first deposit match of up to $100. And that's prizepicks, daily fantasy sports made easy. 
Mike like left out his most important bets. He's got the Rangers to win the World Series in a clean sweep. He, I, oh, he jumped out, after he last, out there last night, clean sweep all the way. Uh, you Houston guys better be ready. We're coming in the words of Dion. <laughs> hey, how about 19,000 people showing up for a Rays playoff game? The least fans in the stands for a major league playoff game since the Black Sox betting scandal. <laughs> in really? 1919. Wow. Like I did that. not know that. That was like, an amazing... Like, this is not supporting... I mean, here's the reality. You know, so this is uh, interesting to me. This is TV's effect on sports at some level, right? This, this is why on Sundays, uh, football games could be blacked out back in the day because they wanted to drive people to actually go to the games Baseball, they've just given up on that. So they they'll let 10,000 people do it, and they'll make more money off of the off the TV ads. Right. So unfortunate in some ways. Uh, Tampa, uh, they've just done. I mean, Tampa has done a tremendous job with that. That I mean, they 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 are one of the small market teams. They have just done an amazing job bringing up talent after talent. Continue fighting in the American League East that has heavy hitters like the New York Yankees and Boston Red Sox that can spend ad nauseum, uh, yet the Rays, Blue Jays, and uh, um, uh, Orioles are the teams that are coming out of that right now. So uh, I, I wish they would move that franchise. That, well, that's- they're building a new stadium. What they're going to do is build a new stadium down there. Uh, St. Pete's kind of blown up. Uh, I was talking to Keith Niebuhr about this yesterday. St. Pete's kind of blown up. They're building a new stadium. Uh, we'll see if that helps. It's that's a very spread out area with a ton of traffic congestion from Tampa to St. Pete in those areas. All right, y'all. We got a lot of questions that we have to get to, and a lot of super chats as well. So I'm gonna get back to some of those. This first one from Tolkien fan. He says the Red River shutout from last year will always have a special place in my heart, but my favorite edition of this wow. game that I have seen was 2008. Great pick. What are y'all's favorite editions of the Red River rivalry? or shootout or whatever you want to call it showdown best game i've seen is 2008 like of two high quality teams yeah no doubt uh, both high quality teams both deserve to be national championship contenders um my favorite i mean look my favorite is the first one i went to as a student i think it was 1990 johnny walker caught a fourth and 10 pass over the middle last minute touchdown and texas was i think double-digit underdogs going into that game. So that's probably me. All right, this next one that we have here, and thank you again, Tolkien fan, is from Terrell Hennigan. And he says, Texas in the fourth quarter this season, 56-7 to score differential against Bama, Kansas, Baylor, Wyoming. We're closing against good teams. I would agree with that. I mean, that's one of the things that Steve Sarkeesian has been uh, talking about He's, he's used the the idea that they have the depth that allows them to be fresh in the fourth quarter. I think I think execution on offense in the first fourth quarter outside of Rice has been really, really good. So they moved the ball down the field against KU. They moved the ball down the field against Baylor. They moved the ball down the field against Bama in the fourth quarter. In Wyoming, they had 14 points in the fourth quarter. Uh, they, they're their offense is executing and it's like they find the answer later in the games and then they just rinse and repeat hit and go 
And uh, that I really think that's been the, the focal point and been one of the reasons why they've done so well, Terrell. Uh, somebody will have the stats. Uh, Ryan Nelson, some of you guys are good at finding stats. What's Texas rush for second half of those games versus first half of those games? To me, that's going to be an interesting stat to look at. Obviously, Texas ran it well against KU last week in both halves, but I would say first half versus second half rushing stats are something to uh, take a peek at. All right, guys, we got another one here. We actually have two Super Chats. I'm going to combine them both here. The first one from Texas Beats uh, says, Bobby, let's include Teddy in this one. It's 8.30. Well, now it's 9.03. And OU sucks. <laughs> Period. I would have said that in front of Josh, too, even though he's a friend. He would have laughed. Yeah, well, he knows that they do. <laughs> and then this next one, which we've already kind of talked about it, but it's a very hot topic in the conversation uh, in the chat for the past hour. Jay Lee says, have you all talked about or heard what Teddy Lehman said about Quinn Ewers, among others, on the team? Bobby, I'll let you run that down again real quick. After, I, I want to say something before Bobby gets goes off on Teddy. This is what <laughs> makes it fun. I love this stuff. This is what makes it fun to me. Teddy Lehman's not supposed to say Quinn Ewers is a first-round pick. He's playing great. I, that's not what's supposed to be said in this rivalry, man. I love I, I love this stuff. I, I, I love the things that Teddy Lehman said because that's what this rivalry's about. The, the best all-time BSer or talk, you know, trash talker in this rivalry for, for OU, though, was a tight end named Trent Smith. Oh, from Oh, he was awesome. Uh, Trent Smith was awesome. Uh, just a, a great – I mean, he was like, every time I cross the Red River, I want to spit and, you know, all this other – he was he was tremendous. Teddy Lehman is – I don't know. He's the OU version of Joey McGuire and Brett Yormark to me. So <laughs> what he says really doesn't matter much. And and I, I actually think some, some OU fans don't take him that seriously either, even though he's a – He's a uh, big time uh, OU grad. They they like to, but uh, guys like Josh are much more measured, uh, and uh, you can tell that uh, Josh knows what he's talking about and tries to come at it from a more analytical approach. Okay, guys, this next question here is from the Green Lantern. He says to the panel, "What's your favorite all time single hit of the game?" Bobby mentioned Stony Clark's goal line hit. Mine is Quan Cosby's lining up that defensive back chasing Jordan Shipley. I got to agree with that. What about y'all? No, this one's easy for me, at least in my lifetime. This one's easy because it was recruiting at the time between Mac and Bob Stoops. Oklahoma had been dominating the series. It was Brian Robeson, Bomaring Rhett Bomar. Oh, that is a good one. That's the best hit I've ever seen in this series because that was a – that was uh, – look, and Rhett, Rhett's doing a really good job as an OC in Texas high school football like Rhett. So this is only about the rivalry, only about the high school recruitment of that player that Texas was in on Rhett Bomar. He goes to Oklahoma. His dad's a Texas high school coach. Um, Oklahoma had been beating up on Texas, and Brian Robeson just squares up Rhett Bomar, and then obviously Roderick Wright picks that ball up and scores. I have I have one for you guys. I got to be honest. This is going to be the one that people that are older even than me um, uh, will say this as well. Marcus Dupree got knocked into retirement, essentially, by a guy, a Texas safety named Richard Peavy. Literally, after that game, Richard Peavy knocked Marcus Dupree his sophomore year 
out of that game and out of college football. Um, that is, that is, and you can go back, you can go back and do me a favor, watch it on YouTube. It's, uh, it's up on YouTube, Richard Peavy versus Marcus Dupree. It is a hit that literally sent a, what was a uh, tremendous prodigy type running back uh, at Marcus Dupree out of the college football. That was the biggest one I've seen uh, on tape or in person. Um, and uh, that's, those are the types of hits that happen in this game, in my opinion. I just, I just copy, uh, I just put that uh, YouTube video into the Inside Texas Weekend Live thread, Texas OU Weekend Live thread. So you can go into that thread and watch it. It's about three minutes. It's a glorious hit. <laughs> I mean, it really is. I mean, not if you if you're a football fan, you like the violence of it, right? At some level. It's a nice violent hit, and I'll put it that way. <laughs> <laughs> I got this next one. It's a super chat from Joseph Diaz. He says, I took the under and giving the points. How dumb am I? I don't know. I mean, I, look, Texas hasn't scored a ton of points this year. Um, and Texas hasn't give up, given up a ton of points this year. So if Texas dominates this game, you may be looking at 30 to 20 or 30 to 16. And that'll be the under and, uh, you know, uh, and it'll give the points. So I, I don't know. I'm not a big, I, I would have to ask Paul Wadlington. He's our resident uh, betting guru. I just don't know on this game, guys. I wouldn't bet this game if my life depended on it. I've never bet on a sporting event before, so I have no answer. <laughs> I take it you've never played at Iowa. Uh, or I was, I was not recruited to the uh to that state for football. <laughs> All right, this next super chat is from ATX to BOS. Thank want to thank him. He says, Can I get a Viva Los Longhorns from y'all? So excited for the game this year. Quinn La Hoya seems to thrive on the big stage. Viva Los Longhorns for me. You got it. Hook them. <laughs> and then a super chat from UT boy, Jerry. Jonte's world. Hey, look, there's not a better time for his first touchdown. The Soto guy, the Soto wins state. They got over the hump, one state. First game in the Cotton Bowl as a Texas Longhorn. It may be setting up UT Boys movie here. Maybe <laughs> he's had a couple of big plays the last couple of weeks. Maybe it's time for his first touchdown. All right, the next question is from Jason Spires. And Jason asks, thoughts on this being a potential Big 12 title game? Do you empty the playbook if you have a 10-plus point lead? No, you win the game. Guys, win this game. That's the only thing that matters. I'm just – now, if you – there's no reason to get cute. You, you know, it's like Patrick Mahomes. You slide down before the goal line if you're going to win the game. Get out of the Cotton Bowl with a win. That is the only thing you are trying to prove this week. That is the only thing, in my opinion. Um, hey, uh, Blake and, and Jerry, I want to say thanks to our uh, Thursday presented by sponsor. Uh, that's Rick Vavro and the guys at Austin Underground. We dig Austin. Rick and his team have uh, been working in the Austin area for decades, uh, helping commercial uh, construction underground uh, with uh, everything from concrete uh, to foundations, everything in between. Uh, give them a shout. Austin Underground. We dig Austin. Thanks, Rick, for your uh, sponsorship of today's Coffee and Football. 
I've got an interesting question here from Emmanuel Bilipenko <laughs> that he just asked. Do you guys see any scenario in which both teams are thrown out of sorts and we end up having a low-scoring game? He personally doesn't, but what do y'all think? I think if there's turnovers, each team has a couple of turnovers and they're around midfield, you know, in, the, in, in between the 40s maybe, you could see something like that where teams just aren't in a rhythm and they turn the ball over, they get behind the change with first down penalties, false starts, holds. I mean, if it's an ugly football game like that, yeah, if it's a well-played game, no. The, 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 the game is – the game is built for offense in every pro sport nowadays. And nobody has Georgia's defense of two years ago, by the way. Let's be clear. <laughs> All right, we got some more super chats we got to get to, guys. They're coming in as fast as I can get the next one out. Brandon Huey says, Bobby, the Jet, can we get a raffle <laughs> for a ride? Southwest Airlines says hello. <laughs> you know, friends fly free or whatever their program is. <laughs> oh man all right warden with the supers chat says i know it's cliche but i believe in sark's formula no turnovers no penalties and a solid dose of the run game and we cruise hook them guys jerry drive a little north and watch my willis wildcat warden it's amazing that this super chat happened today i'm actually going to their game next week willis hey, who do they got that other than Derek lagway obviously they have a young kid uh jermaine bishop 2026 uh, but Keith Niebers, actually, he's coming into town next week to cover um, uh, Lagway for, from the Florida side. And, and we're going to make a couple of school stops on the way and go up to that game Friday. Nice. Lagway's the quarterback. Derek Lagway's the quarterback at uh, Willis. Yeah. That's committed to Florida. His dad was a very good player at Willis, played running back at Baylor. I, I remember I watched his dad play in high school. Yeah. <laughs> Okay, we got to see what page he was on in the recruiting advisor. <laughs> oh, I don't know. <laughs> All right, Jerry. Uh, UT10 Rocks 2005 with Super Chat says, Why do you say you would pass on Robinson? I uh, got to be more mature, man. It's an alpha, that's an alpha position. Uh, that's a position that alphas play. Um, and you need to have an alpha mentality. Simple as that. Okay, guys, uh, let's go to this question from Russell Hinkle. He says, how much do you expect OU to run the ball given that they haven't been good at it this year? I think we'll see a lot of quick passes to the flats and slot. This keeps our defensive line away from Gabriel, too. Could not agree more. They're, gonna, they're not going to try to run down Texas's throat. Um, they're going to try to loosen up the defense, get a bunch of plays on them, and then try to run the ball in certain spots. They're gonna, they've got to rely on a quarterback who is a good college quarterback, completing 75% of his passes. They've got to put this game on his arm and Brent Venable's defense to try to scheme up Steve Sarkeesian. That's their path to winning the game. It's not running the ball to start the game against Texas, in my opinion. Uh, we got time for just a couple more questions. Um, and this first one is from Derek McCall. He says, hey, guys, would you have thought prior to the season through the first five games that Quinn has played better than Colt McCoy in 2009 in his first five games that year? Obviously talking statistically. I, I would not have, but here's the reality of it. Colt McCoy had, if you don't remember, swine flu for like four weeks. Oh, that's right. Uh, that, don't don't forget about that. Um, I, I always, always go back to that. Also, Colt McCoy – 
was searching for a receiver. He lost Shipley. He lost uh, Quan. Or he, he lost Quan Cosby that year. Um, and then uh, what was the name? The guy from Brenham, Brandon Collins, didn't come yeah. back. He was searching for a second receiver. They ended up getting Marquise Goodwin. Ended up being the number two receiver as a true freshman that year. So they he didn't have the personnel around him like Quinn has, and he was sick for the first part of that uh, season. Great point there, Bobby. Forgot all about that. Edmund Lee with Super Chat real quick says, hook them horns. Thank you, Edmund. We appreciate it. And then, guys, this will probably be the last question today from Captain Americano. Who is our X Factor for this game? Will it be the usual suspects or somebody who hasn't stepped up big yet? The Red River rivalry is where legends are made. It's a great point. I mean, that's a great point, guys. I mean, um, look, it's – it's it's an I, I I say this is a true next man up type of game or where legends are made. Um, <clears throat> man, it feels like John Tay Cook's due for something big in this game to me. I don't know if that's going to be a momentum deciding play or game deciding play. <clears throat> He's been close the last couple of weeks, and you can tell Texas is working him in more. Bobby, um, I, I, I Anthony Hill, if he has another. Alabama type performance against Oklahoma in his first Red River showdown. I wrote Jalen Catalan, Byron Murphy, Ethan Burke, AD Mitchell. Yeah. Those guys all present issues for OU that they maybe haven't seen yet. That second receiver, that waylaying safety, uh, speed in the front interior with Byron Murphy. Speed on the exterior with with Ethan Burke. Long speed. We'll see. All right, guys. Well, Bobby, I'm going to let you tell everybody what's coming on on Texas football later today. Yeah, absolutely. So, uh, tail of the tape with myself and Paul Wadlington at uh, noon today. Uh, then uh, we've got, uh, I believe, question answers answered. And then football theory tonight with Rod and Ian. That's quickly becoming a fan favorite. They talk about... Uh, how Texas is going to attack OU and vice versa uh, tonight. I uh, also want to mention tomorrow we've got the coffee and football uh, down in uh, uh, the Firewheel Park uh, golf area uh, for the Dallas Texas X's. If you're interested in playing in their scramble with the Dallas Texas X's, come out, hang out with me and Jerry for a little bit as well. Go to DallasTexasX's.org. Quan uh, Cosby will be there also to start, start off the scramble. Uh, and then tomorrow afternoon, 3 o'clock, uh, we've got it at Terry Black's in downtown Dallas. They're going to get it going. They're trying to revive downtown Dallas a little bit for this game. It used to be the focal point, uh, but for about 20 years, they moved it outside of that. So uh, come on down, uh, hang out with us, have some barbecue, and uh, maybe, a, maybe a beer or two. Okay, guys. Well, that's going to do it for this edition of Coffee and Football. Of course, we want to thank Rick Valbro and Austin Underground. Don't forget, they dig Austin. Uh, Manscaped, Caldera Lab. And Prize Picks as well for sponsoring. Want to thank all of you for tuning in. Thanks for all the super chats. There are a ton of them today. Be sure to hit that like and subscribe button and uh, ring the bell. So anytime a new video is posted, you are notified. So for Bobby Burton and Jerry Hamilton, I'm Blake Monroe, and we'll see you tomorrow morning. Talk to you guys in the morning. 47 hours now. 47 hours. (laughs) That's right. We're getting close.